0: podcasting from astrolab studios this is continuum drag a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended this week the invaders part two i've been tracking them for many years ever since i started writing this I still don't know where they come from. Our ecosystem is not right for them yet. They want us to ruin the Earth for them. Why me? I mean, what do I have to do with them? You were an implant like those others you saw at the hangar. That's their way of controlling someone to do their bidding. Like beating to death a professor outside of a Las Vegas casino. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that's mind-controlled by aliens. I don't know. How's that?
1: I wonder how, I wonder how it would be if we were mind-controlled by aliens. Well, we, we'd be talking in real raspy voices like this. No, that's true. We'd be smoking nonstop. How great would it be right now? Now, neither of us smoke, but how great would it be if both of us, while we did our podcast, just leaned back and smoked like it was old-time radio? That'd be great, wouldn't it?
0: We would look just like Richard Belzer in the show. That's true, yeah. He's always smoking, and my favorite part is he'll finish, like,
1: some rant and he'll exhale into the mic, like audibly. He'll be like. <laughs> 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 to let you know. It's to let the person know that he's smoking very coolly.
0: And I'm always, whenever I we edit these podcasts, I'm always like, ah, I try to take out all the mouth and breath noises and I can never get them all out. And I'm just like watching the show and he's just like, oh, they're just leaving him breathing
1: directly into the mic in this television program. Well, it's because we're not smoking cigarettes. If we were smoking, we'd just be like, <sighs> right into the mic every time. So cool. It is cool. Anyway uh
0: i'm your host luke here with my co-host jordan hey jordan what's hey. real
1: we're watching this really weird mini series I, I mean we're calling it a bitty series it's really two tv movies
0: yeah i mean they tie into each other though you couldn't watch the second one without seeing the first one.
1: Oh, that's that's for sure i mean watching the first one you feel like you've missed something if you just watch the second one you your head would just explode I mean, you start in the middle of a scene. And uh, you would turn it off after about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd be out so fast. So now that you know how good this is, stay tuned for the next hour. Oh, get, get ready for
0: part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get started, though, we did a little, little looking into it because The Invaders, or as occasionally known, The New Invaders, is based on a TV show from like 1967. Hmm. Ran for two seasons. It was also called The
1: Invaders. I didn't know anything about it. It ran for two seasons, but seemed to be pretty popular in in that sort of uh, science fiction niche. Like, I don't think uh, it's not as popular as um, some of the other shows from this time period, you know, The Fugitive or whatever. But there's a lot of extra stuff that came out from the show. We could talk about a little bit like it had a comic book series and a lot of books based on it. But there are some similarities between this show that we're watching, the 95 version and the 67, which is basically... Aliens have come to Earth they look just like us either they're they've made themselves to look like humans or they've taken over humans but they're there to push their will on on Earth is basically basically the same the same basic plot of these two yeah. things.
0: It's funny I'd expected it to also have environmental themes. I assume that's where the 95 version got these ideas from but there's really no environmental themes in the original one. It is mostly an allegory for the red scare like you can't trust your friends and neighbors they might be working against you kind of thing. There really wasn't this idea of broader, I think, environmental damage or even, I mean, fear of the other still, but more in a communist sense. So as far as like borrowing from the show, I think it's it's borrowing pretty loosely. This miniseries is borrowing pretty loosely from the original series.
1: Well, I looked at so in the original series, the aliens apparently. um, Here's ways they could be detected. They had an absence of pulse or heartbeat. And they also had an inability to bleed, which we have clearly not seen in the new show because the alien got shot and bled. But what the main thing was, was that they had a deformed little finger on their hand that was at a sort of an unnatural angle. Did you read about this?
0: No, that's very cool. though. I so like that.
1: that was one sign they could see. And so all the aliens had that. And I went and read more about it. And the reason he had decided to have that as being this one thing is it was the 1960s. There was a bit of, you know, still McCarthyism and people were really, you know, looking to Uh, are these people different? Are they communist or whatever it is? And he had seen in the affectation of when people were taking a drink, you know, and have their finger up Mm -hmm. as a sort of effeminate quality. And he said, people were really scared about at that time. If you had done that, you might look like you're gay is basically the thing. So the idea he had was there's this fear of being different or being, well, basically different. So he thought, well, what if I have the aliens have a finger that's sticking out weirdly? And that's where that came from.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, which actually, uh,
1: which actually is not a bad little idea. I mean, it would be. It's a weird uh, thing for aliens to look exactly like humans, except for have this one little digit be off. But uh, when you know the greater context of it, it's actually a kind of a neat idea.
0: Yeah, well, the creator Larry Cohen. I did read a little bit about it, and he was writing this kind of in the era of like the screenwriting blacklist, where mm-hmm. you'd be if you thought that you were a communist, you wouldn't be allowed to write movies anymore. So he, I think, he was taking. Things he saw in his personal social circles, people being afraid of being identified and being put on this blacklist and putting him into the show. It's interesting, you mentioned The Fugitive earlier. This is actually the follow-up show by the producer of The Fugitive. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, the producer of The Fugitive was finishing that series, looking for a new project to get to work on. And this was kind of what he fell into Is he found this Larry Cohen script, liked it. They did two seasons of it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, too, because similar plot is like one guy knows aliens are here. He's trying to convince other people it's happening. But there's even early serialized elements to it. As the show went on, he started convincing more people. They started having reoccurring characters who were there to support him. They sort of started finding this interesting balance of, like, expanding on the idea of the show, but not rebooting every week to, like, square one.
1: Mm-hmm. It's funny. When when I read about the show, and I know you've as well, it doesn't feel more like when they did this miniseries, they should have just redone the show. Because it sounds like a, a better show.
0: Yeah, it certainly... I think had some. I mean, I think what we're seeing is why it was popular and why someone thought they should remake it is because it it connected with people and was a little different as far as a science fi- fiction show goes, and certainly had some staying power. Like it feels reading about it. I'd never heard about it, but it feels kind of like a *Battlestar Galactica* from the '60s or something. Mm-hmm. Like, not that it's the same plot, but that people really liked it and really followed it, and there was like offs and comics and books written about it because there there was a fan base that developed around it. Because it was doing something unique and new.
1: Can I read you some of the book titles? Sure. So here's the names of the books. And you pick the one you'd really like to read. Army of the Undead. That's one. The Autumn Accelerator. Enemies from Beyond. Halo Highway. Invaders. Meteor Man. Dam of Death. Alien Missile Threat. Night of the Trilobites. And again, The Invaders. So there's one book called Invaders and one The Invaders. Man, oh man. So I have to read one of these. Yeah, you got to read one um i love the title the autumn
0: accelerator yeah but it also implies it's gonna be real boring
1: i think i'd pick neither trilobites
0: that was gonna be what i was gonna say that would be the one i picked to read
1: i also found that apparently in mad magazine issue 119 if you're interested they did a satire of it and they called it the invasion ears. so Ma- oh, Ma- mad comics good. nailed it once again <laughs> that's pretty good yeah. The invasion ears yeah Yeah,
0: uh, it's funny. I read a little bit about it, too. And, you know, it it did okay in the States, but I think it was actually really, really popular in France Hmm. and found actually a big audience in Europe. So I think maybe that's where some of its staying power comes. We may not have heard about it as much in uh, North America and perhaps still even in Europe these days. It's probably not remembered that well. But uh, apparently it was like
1: hugely popular outside of the States. Maybe they should have had the French remake it. Do a better job.
0: Oh, I would have watched that for sure. (laughs) Maybe there is one. They already have. They already have all
1: the people smoking. You know, that's a French stereotype. <laughs> you love yourself a good stereotype. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Before we get started, there's one thing I did want to note about the original invaders and how it ties into this miniseries. Is the original series starred an architect whose partner was taken over by one of these aliens? He discovers it and he he becomes a one man crusade to stop them. That character's name was David Vincent, and he was played by. Uh, an actor named Roy Thines. Mm -hmm. In that first part, right at the start, we saw a man in a suit watching the aliens come down or watching what we, you know, lights in the sky and we're implying aliens were there. That character is David Vincent, played by the same actor from the series. So this is where it ties together is this character from the original series will pop up now in this second part and give us some exposition and implies that he's been tracking these aliens for many, many years. This is the tie together between these series. They're sort of trying to imply that David Vincent from the original series has been still tracking these aliens all these years and has been the one man at the forefront of this fight and now is passing the mantle to Bacula. Um Whether continuity-wise that ties together really, I'm not sure, but it's a bit of fan service, I think.
1: I, I actually felt kind of bad for the guy because it's it's a glorified cameo. and And you're right, it does try to tie things together, but... He doesn't have anything to do. And it's like, you could have done more with the guy. Like, there's, you have eight million characters. Why not just have eight million in one and have him actually have some useful exposition as the show goes along instead of one stupid scene in a car? Anyway.
0: Well, it's funny. I mentioned this last episode that I, I liked the character Carlos, the illegal alien who's working at the diner. Mm-hmm. And I also liked this David vinson character. And I was like, oh, more of these two. But I think it might just be because they're a bit of a mystery because they get very little to do. Right. That I am excited to know more about them just because I'm teased enough and the actors are interesting enough that I'm Mm. like, oh, why not more of these? But, you know, maybe in the writing of this actual show, had they focused on them, it wouldn't have made any difference. But right. What are you going to do?
1: What are you going to do? So shall we get into it?
0: Let's let's get started. Uh, Here's the IMDb summary for The Invaders Part 2. A man named Nolan Wood tries to stop an invasion of Earth by aliens disguised as humans. That summary is courtesy of Dirk Gerlick.
1: Is that the same one for the last time?
0: <laughs> Listen, there is so little love for this show. <laughs> Only one person bothered to write one sentence about it, and there's not separate summaries for each episode, so I just had to use the same one again.
1: Well, I mean, look, it's the same. Basically, it's just the second half of the same story. There's nothing really that differentiates these two. I will say, though, and I think we mentioned in the in the, the previous episode, this is a little bit better half. The second half is a little, a little more action.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's clearly very little love for this series because they're like no one even wants to write about it on indb there's no trivia there are some goofs and we'll talk about them this episode oh really but i i'll get into them later in the episode because they relate to one very specific part of the plot but it's quite clear that those goofs were just written by one guy who watched it and was just very annoyed by this one piece (laughs) of tech they didn't understand right Right. nobody else cares about this show right
1: yeah I i found the same thing i tried to find um to see if there was any sort of fan base out there, and there's nothing. There's no loving recreation drawings or stories or autographs, or I didn't find any props. This falls under the omen category of shows that happened and no one ever remembers.
0: Yeah, we drifted from our consciousness like, like a bad dream.
1: <laughs> so let's spend two hours talking about it. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so
0: let me catch this up real quick. Last week, Scott Bakula discovered he was being mind controlled by the invaders with a brain probe. His estranged son sung doo-wot-diddy to him to wake him out of his trance. <laughs> and now he is driving a tow truck toward a group of invaders who are transferring people into new alien invaders. And his son is screaming for their blood because he wants them dead.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. And that kind of catches
0: us up where we left off. Is Scott Bakula has the ability to escape or run over some invaders with his son. And uh, thankfully for these invaders, though, they can still control his mind, maybe not fully, but as long as they all shake and dance around in their chairs like a weird spasm out of control. It's so weird, the mind control thing. How useless
1: is it? The only way you can control someone's mind is to just like jitter around. Well, what it is, is they need to uh, visually show something to the audience to show that something's happened other than someone just staring and they didn't want to you know use a noise or anything so what they did is i don't know if it's one actor started it and then they all had to do it but uh old john boy he really he really gives it he's really jiggling but yeah they they have to like gyrate a little bit and it, it's funny and it's, it's not subtle at all but it is just a visual cue for the audience to know they're doing it
0: so jerry and the other videos are shaking trying to control old bacula so he won't run them over and they can't fully control Bacula. He has some sort of these visions help him, like, sort of deflect their mind control. Not completely, but at least enough to not do quite what they want.
1: Yeah, so what you get is him driving at them and then not. And then driving at them and then not. And that goes on for an eternity.
0: Well, you get an overhead shot of basically the truck
1: driving in circles around this hangar. And it, I'm just like, this is so bad. Yeah, because they're really trying to show that this struggle within him that... You know, they're trying to make him do it. He doesn't want to. But what you can just get is it's just a scene that goes on and on of him driving and like doing wheelies around them. I, I mean, yeah. Finally, he just
0: chooses to drive out of the building since he won't be able to run over these people. Despite his son's like constant screaming for like his son is out of his mind. His son is a <laughs> sociopath. I, I liked him. Because they drive through the wall of the hangar and basically take off. And not 30 seconds later, they're just driving through like all this fog and atmosphere. And... A hitchhiker steps out in front of them the road. It's gonna be our wayward David Vincent we were just talking about. But he steps out in front of them in the road, basically trying to flag them down. And Scott Back to the sun once again screams, run him over, dad. Kill him, kill him, kill him. Kill him. He it's like he's like a, an evil child or something. And Scott Back like, No, we should we shouldn't run over some random stranger, but the son is like desperate for his dad to kill someone. Big deal, he's bloodthirsty. It's so weird. But yeah. Bacula pulls over, David Vincent gets in, they have a, a bit of exposition where David Vincent gives him his self-published zine about the invaders.
1: It looks not very uh, high quality. You think of all the time he's had working on it.
0: He's basically been writing a book for years about all the things he knows about the invaders and like his, his many encounters with them over his years of tracking them.
1: He basically gives him his DVD from the series.
0: Yeah, and he explains like what the invaders are up to. They're, they're trying to trick us into ruining our own environment so that they have an environment they'd prefer to live in. Yeah. A bit of a roundabout way of doing it. Why not just wreck it yourself? But I guess sure. If you if you make it's like it's like stop hitting
1: yourself. That's what they're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a good way of saying it. you're all right though. It's like if you guys want the environment to feel so bad, just like shoot off Stop and, polluting it yourself. Stop polluting it. Yeah, it's like, well just pollute it then. Like you guys have all these abilities to do stuff, but and also don't you think it would be make more sense then to attack like heads of government as opposed to, I don't know, a guy that works at a diner and stuff like that like who cares what they do
0: yeah it is very much in that 90s conspiracy vein where it's just like fucking with the regular man will make something happen yeah um, in all this sort of exposition here uh, David Vincent reveals finally why the brain control devices won't work on bacula why why he's <laughs> having these visions why he's one of the few people who can like stop the brain control sort of
1: and Luke let me just preface this with what Luke is going to give you right now Maybe. The dumbest and greatest line of dialogue I think we've seen so far in any of the shows, in what, almost in 40 episodes of of doing this podcast? We've never had a line like this. I mean, it certainly is coming
0: into part two. This has not been brought up ever. And, you know, we know that Bakula can sort of avoid the mind control and that he has these weird visions that aren't all that super helpful. But basically, David Vincent postulates the reason why the brain control devices don't work is, and here's the quote,
1: it may be because of the autism you had as an infant. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't know what that is. I wrote that. I, I know we both had that. Both had that note. We both talked about it. It's like, wh- 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 what, were the, what were the writers thinking?
0: I, I mean, I tried to do some Googling to get more information. And I guess he got autism from vaccines. <gasps> like his parents must have given him a vaccine. That's where autism comes from?
1: That's not true. Sorry, <laughs> On my mouth is just a gape. <laughs> no,
0: but it, I, I was trying to go. I'm like, I'm like, is that something you can have as a child and then kind of not have again? Because he has displayed no elements of autism at all so far. And they seem to be implying that in a real brief bout of autism as a kid, he's better now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's so ludicrous and it's it's so distasteful. Yeah, that's the thing. It's 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 just it's so bad. And here's the thing. I'm not saying it's a good idea to have autism be the way that aliens can control your mind. Okay, let's just say it is a good idea. It's not. But if that's what you're going with, okay, you're a crazy person, but that's the idea you're going with. Then have him have autism. Have the character have autism, and that's your main character, you know? Yeah, um, have done some research on it. Yeah, do some research on it, and then then have things that result from the character having autism and how does that manifest itself in this plot line? Okay. But the idea of just going, oh yeah, remember remember when he used to have that uh that disorder, or I'm not sure what the, the actual term would be for, but that that condition. And they just throw it out there and then everyone just moves on. He does say though, he goes he goes, Your brain signals they their singles. Snafu's. That's the word he used.
0: Yeah, right. Snafu's their signals. Yeah. And he also goes into explaining because of this infant autism he had, not only is he not such this, you know, brainwashing, whatever, he's also able to tap into the collective consciousness of the aliens, which is what these visions are. Like, he's visualizing what their plans are because they all share a collective consciousness that explains their plans to him via visions. Uh, none of it added
1: up. Was that what it was supposed to be? I guess I didn't catch that. I thought... Yeah, I don't I don't know what I thought. I didn't know. That's what they were trying to imply, though.
0: Yeah, I think the we'll see it later is when he needs to solve a problem. The flashes now show him exactly what the plan is.
1: Oh, right, right.
0: There's there's no other way he would know what they were planning to do. But thankfully, their collective consciousness and his autism allow him to see the plans they have. It's ludicrous.
1: Doesn't autism give you psychic abilities? (laughs) i mean it might as well in this show in this universe
0: it it, it is funny i don't i don't know enough about autism and how it works to like really speak too definitively on it but like the way they're using it here is insane yeah (laughs) and anyway uh david vincent who just lays this all on us a how does he know anything about this guy's medical history who knows but he lays all this exposition on us
1: jumps out of the car and is gone for the rest of the show it's the most thankless cameo they could have and it's just like oh yeah we got to have the guy from the original series and eh, we'll just have him come in and talk about autism for a minute then he he's off again to have what i assume is more more exciting adventures
0: yeah i mean this is the first 10 minutes of the second episode and i'm like this second episode is already more insane now than <laughs> yeah. the first episode yeah anyway uh bacchio takes his kid back to the diner basically the police show up and arrest him, and he, the kid ends up back with his mom and his stepdad, the alien Jerry, and we're reminded immediately that, oh yeah, remember uh, his mom? She's pregnant. I guess with an alien baby?
1: I know. They actually don't really talk
0: about that. It's really weird. But yeah, Scott Back is immediately rearrested. Thankfully, that uh, Dr. Ellen uh, Gazzara, we we left her at the diner in the last episode talking with the illegal alien Carlos. And... Um, after Scott is arrested, or as he's being arrested, he tells his kid to give uh, Ellen, Doc Ellen, the invader's pamphlet that David Vincent put together. So now she basically gets as caught up as he is on what's happening because she gets a book full of information. Mm-hmm. And, like, thank God, because if I had to hear anyone else explain it again, it'd be insane. But, like, <laughs> essentially, like, catches all our other characters who weren't involved in the previous scenes up on what's happening. Yeah. And it kind of gets us rolling into this episode. Like, it gets rolling pretty quickly after we, we get started. Everybody's caught up. There are aliens. They're everywhere. He's going back to prison.
1: I like that the main character, he, he goes to he goes back to jail like three times in this. Like, he's never controlling situations in this. It's always, he's running away, he gets caught, and then he gets put away. And then he has to break out. Then he gets caught, and he gets put away, and he gets broke. That's that's his whole character arc through this whole show. Uh,
0: you're not wrong. He is constantly just being captured and released. Yeah. <laughs> he's like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> um detective Coyle, of course returns he's he's right now investigating a terrorist attack the death of a doctor in a hospital uh, a runaway fugitive in the form of <laughs> of uh bacula and uh, he basically goes out to the airport hangar that uh, bacula and the kid claims the aliens were in and when they get there obviously there are no aliens left the invaders have left it but all the phone booths are still there like they open it up and it's just like an empty h- hangar but with 10 phone booths sitting in it and like bleachers but they're like well kid uh doesn't appear to be anything going on here uh i guess i guess you and your dad are liars
1: i like that they brought nolan to the warehouse to arrest him there well okay we'll listen to you until we get to the warehouse but if there's only phone booths there we're arresting you yeah
0: well it's very funny too because this kid is like become insane at this point because after the detective says like you know there's nothing here the kid just turns around and screams at the detective go to hell <laughs> is that what he says <laughs> The kid becomes a delinquent. Like, later, he will scream at other cops. He, he's basically just yelling and screaming for blood. I I couldn't get over this kid in the second part. He's insane.
1: Yeah. Well, no one's telling him not to. His, his so, one his mom's—she she can't help. She's working at the diner. His other dad's an alien, you know?
0: No, it, it's very true. Uh, in fact, let's just do this now, actually. Kind of for, like, most of this episode with this kid, um, what we see of him is he's around the diner, everything's gone back to normal basically like all the invaders are coming they're all getting their steak and eggs and the kid is just throwing a fit like they, they come in get their steaks and eggs the kid's just screaming at all the patrons being like you're all aliens all every single one and of they, and an they just keep eating and like they, yeah they're just like i don't care you're you're a kid no one's gonna believe you and the mom's like apologizing for him and the kid gets so upset for the mom apologizing to the invaders about their you know weirdo steak and egg diet that he turns around and, like, screams at the mother, like, and points at her belly. He's like, you've got an alien inside <laughs> of you. It's disgusting.
1: You don't, you never do that to a pregnant lady.
0: He is basically throwing a fit for the rest of the episode. Uh, we won't talk about him too much more, but it's so, so oh, weird. He, I,
1: he does mention, though, in this scene, uh, Luke, he mentions their, their weird fingers, which you never actually see. Um, but he goes, look at their weird fingers. Oh, To, his, to the But the thing is... I get it. It's like a fun little callback to the original series, but they don't play with it at all. And also, you've none of them have weird fingers. So it's like, well, okay, well, what are you pointing out then?
0: Well, it's a good thing you looked into that, actually, because I would never have caught that line. And it would have made no sense to me if you hadn't known about the pinkies from the original series. Yeah, because it, it it made no impact on me at all. Getting back to Bacula, he actually gets a quick reprieve from prison because apparently he very quickly gets a public defender. <laughs> right. Who... Orders an MRI at the same hospital he just escaped from because he's hoping to use Bacula's history of dizziness and autism as a defense against the crimes he's committed. Is that what he said? Yeah. Like, he says those are the two reasons he wants this MRI scan of his brain.
1: You know what? It sounds like a good lawyer to me.
0: <laughs> and um, it's interesting because we think we're going to get an MRI scene where they put him in and you scan his brain. And they're going to finally find this, like, probe that's in his brain but the mri reveals nothing like there's a little bit of like distortion on the mri but they're like well his brain's perfectly healthy yeah there's nothing wrong with him we can we can go to trial but really what it is is it gets him back to the hospital where doc ellen works at she recruits one of her nurse friends and now she breaks him out of the hospital so he's briefly captured gets an mri she breaks him out and now they're just where they were like 15 minutes before now doc ellen and bacula are on the run from the cops again
1: but, but it's good that you point this out because basically they could have just cut these two hospital breaks into one just get rid of one of them you only needed to have to happen once and just put all the stuff you had in the one to two scenes into one you don't need to do this twice you're just wasting time well
0: and it's very funny too because this man literally just broke out of this hospital from the cops you mm-hmm. think
1: they'd have tighter security on him but is this when we get to the part where the doctor and the uh the hot doctor sorry the detective and the hot doctor they're hitting on each other well this is what
0: happens is after they escape uh detective Coyle goes back to talk to dr british lady to find out you know what she knows and where doc ellen might have run to and you know dr british lady doesn't have a lot of information but um you know as long as you're in the middle of this like multiple case uh, why don't you just ask her out on a date
1: it's hard for him to meet normal people when he's always working
0: yeah, he's always working. He's never solving any crimes. So uh, uh, why don't we go on a quick little date as long as we're doing it? It's it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre, this scene.
1: Oh, and I ha- we haven't mentioned that the detective has a partner who doesn't really do anything other than kind of be Weasley. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even write him in my notes because I'm like, oh, this detective has a partner who's not a character? Yeah, he doesn't. He, I think he comes and he has one funny line when he first shows up, like some real one-liner, and then he literally is just in the background for the rest of the show.
0: Oh, and speaking of characters we may have forgotten about, Remember uh, the talk radio conspiracy host, Richard Belzer? (laughs) Yes, I do. Well, he's still here, and he's handing out helpful plot points. (laughs) Um, He's required in this episode because he establishes that uh, LA Metro Rail, their sort of subway transit line, is opening a new station this Mm -hmm. week. In fact, possibly even this day. And uh, a very special senator will be there opening it. A man who's a real environmentalist, and one day they think he may be president.
1: After a lot of time and a lot of really slow revving up. You get the idea that this whole thing about making people aliens look like people and making these sort of like Manchurian candidate assassins, all this is really working up to they want to do one big attack on one politician to wreck the environmental plan so that pollution pollution will be more popular. Yeah, they want to assassinate this senator because he's
0: pro-environment and that's against their plans, basically. And they're going to use this subway opening is their opportunity to do it and yeah. uh, you know and the reason they bring belzer in to explain it is because his character doesn't like a lot of things he doesn't like public transportation doesn't like immigrants doesn't like environment doesn't like the environment he doesn't like the senator
1: didn't you get the sense though that he he kind of flip-flopped like he seems to be angry first he's he goes on and on about how much he hates scott, scott bacula's character then later he's like and hey, maybe i'm on his side yeah i mean well, that's we'll get into it but that's how it ends
0: is he flip-flops on uh, scott bacula but like, yeah like he hates bacula at some point he he hates this subway they're opening because he says uh freedom to drive should be in the constitution.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that.
0: It, it, he he is basically there to just provide plot points and they just give him any extremist stance they can whether that extremist stance contradicts the last thing he just said or not. Right, right. It, it's it's very odd. And I'm going to ask you, I wrote this down in my notes here. Like we actually do a quick we kind of talked about it, but we go back to the diner briefly and have the kid yell about stuff. And we know this guy's going on a date. And there's kind of two people this could be happening. Three people, actually, because w- here's how the characters split up right now. You've got Bakula and Doc Allen on the run together. You've got Jerry and Amanda, the mom. They're back together now at the diner. And we just saw that uh, Detective Coyle and the doc- Dr. British lady are going to go on a date. Mm-hmm. There is a scene right now where two
1: people have sex. And I don't know who those two people are. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's uh the doctor and the detective. Are you sure? Sh- is it? Or
0: is it Amanda and Jerry?
1: Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's funny. Or is
0: it Bacula and Dr. Ellen?
1: I thought the same thing. Well, they, they make you think it's Bacula and Dr. Ellen because they're having this sort of scene. They're getting to know each other. It's almost an intimate scene. They're very close. They're clearly uh this horrible situation is bringing them together and they cut to a sex scene but it's so darkly lit you can't tell who's having sex but i don't think it's Bakula. i think it's i think it's one of the other two i think it's the detective and that doctor because later on she's like she's you you now know no she is an alien
0: yeah i'm not i'm not 100% sure who it's supposed to be it it was cut in such a weird way also first sex scene i think we've seen in a show
1: um i think you're right and what a sex scene
0: i mean it felt like it was just added in because someone was like, "Gotta have a sex scene." Because it was cut apropos to nothing. I couldn't figure even figure out who was having sex. I, I was baffled.
1: Well, I, I like that neither of us knew. So it, as a uh, well shot, it was.
0: Like I literally wrote a note midway through the episode, being like, "I don't know where this falls in the plot. I don't know who this is." Because like I don't know what's happening. All you see is someone's back getting scratched.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Really badly too.
1: Yeah. Well, that's why I think it was the. I think it's the Doctor Alien. It's like she has superpowers or something. All right. I, I thought it could be Jerry and the wife, too, because, I don't
0: know, they're, they're a married couple. They can have sex if they want. That's true. She's pregnant, though. Can you do that?
1: <laughs> with my, oh, I was going to make a joke, and I'm not going to do it. Good for you, Jordan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's catch up with Doc Ellen and Bacula. They're, they place a call to the diner and speak to uh, the Mexican Carlos in Spanish so that no one can hear what they're talking about. But they're basically asking him to kidnap the kid from his mother. And drive him to LA to be with, uh, you know, his father with a restraining
1: order. What I like those about Carlos is he doesn't hesitate at all. They basically call him, and be like, "Can you help kidnap the kid?" He's like, "Yep, yeah, no problem, no problem." Uh, yeah, I, what do you? Need I know my me? status in this country is very questionable, but he's super reliable. Though you you always know you can call Carlos no matter what it is. You are like Carlos. I got a dead body. Help me clean it up. He's like, "Yep, I got a mop." Like he's 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 your he's the friend you want. It's very funny because the scene ends as he's, he's been on the phone talking Spanish the whole time so that
0: uh, Amanda, who doesn't speak Spanish, won't know what he's saying. And as he gets off the phone, Amanda walks up to him. And she's like, who are you talking to? And it's like, uh, my niece. And Amanda just looks at him and she says, no
1: personal calls on the phone. This is like, she's the rudest employer. <laughs> yeah, get back to mopping. Like, how much mopping can you do in one place? He's always mopping. She really treats him like a second class citizen. And yeah. uh, it really made it hard to root for her. She's she's the one character you should feel
0: the worst for because she's like married to an alien, doesn't know what's going on. Like no one's telling her anything,
1: but they play her like such a mean person. Well, they have her sort of like a bit of a shrew character. Like she's just there to get upset and stop other people from having fun. You know, yeah. it's, it's just not, it's not a great part. She does get redeemed a little bit by at the end. But yes, she's an annoying character, unfortunately. It's, it's they don't give her she they give her the least to do. That's true. She, I don't think she ever leaves the diner, really, until, like, the end. She's just, like, walking around the diner. That's all she does. <laughs>
0: Even when her son goes missing repeatedly, <laughs> she never calls the police, leaves the
1: diner to look for him, or does anything about it. She just, like, frets. Well, it's because, like, there's just a constant need of steak and eggs, and she just can't get away. Every time she thinks she's going to get away, they're like, one more order of steak and eggs. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, this show is so confusing. Maybe you can explain this to me, but we get a few scenes now with uh, Bacula and Doc Ellen... And they're sitting kind of having lunch and they piece together the invaders plan to kill a Senator at the subway opening because of environmentalism. But I could never, I couldn't figure out how they put that together. They seem to be reading. They're not even reading the book from
1: David Vincent. They're just like, based on what we know, this must be their plan. Yeah. I think they, they imply that like, cause they've gone now to his house, right? I think we didn't say that they go to David Vincent's house and they see all the clippings on the wall. And which by the way. Doesn't help you to look less insane by having your house entirely covered with alien clippings. But uh, they basically read all that. They read his book. And then, yeah, somehow they they piece together. It's not now, is it, that they, they realize with the subway? I think they go down to the—they know something's mm-hmm. going to happen with the subway because they mix it with his visions. But I don't think they know the exact plan yet.
0: No, they, they talk about it as they have this dinner. And the only reason I knew it was happening is because we heard Richard Belzer talking about it. But right. I don't know well, they were, how they, they listened to the radio. It out. That's how they listen to the radio. I mean, maybe that is it. Maybe they were just listening to the radio on the way to lunch, and that's how they put it together. Because I, I didn't see a scene where I where I saw them gather the pieces. It just didn't make sense to me how they had come to this conclusion. I mean, other than I was happy they were driving the plot forward. But. Right.
1: But and and he does have he does keep having now visions of a subway tunnel.
0: Yes, the visions now come into play and in that now he sees a subway tunnel and now we know his visions are the alien's collective consciousness about their plans right. or something. Right. I don't know. Um, they lose the book here. This is really, there's a lot of things that just happen. Like they lose the book to the police, David Vincent's like alien book. It ends up with Detective Coyle somehow. He reads it. He believes in the aliens now. He goes and tells his captain that he thinks Bacula's being set up by aliens and his captain's like, his captain doesn't fire him on the spot right but yeah he doesn't exactly
1: believe him let's see where this goes
0: let's see where this goes and here's maybe my question about why i'm not sure that sex scene is between uh, detective coil and the british lady because the next scene we cut to is detective coil i guess on his date with the british lady but their date is just appears to be some light bondage he's just tied to a chair with his shirt off yeah and I, it felt like this was the first time they were together or something, because he was just like,
1: oh, this is uh, different. I think the answer is that sex scene is just two other characters uh, we haven't met before. Great, great. They're just two yeah, random he, people.
0: <laughs> he's tied to a chair. She's tied him there because he thinks it's going to be something sexy, but she's just going to put a face hugger on him and uh, jam a mind control thing up his nose because he's just sitting there talking to a woman he's met twice about how he believes there are aliens now. Yeah. Essentially, though, Detective Coyle, who is starting to believe them, is now, I guess, a sleeper agent. So we know, know as an audience, you can't trust Detective Coyle. I guess that's what we're supposed to get out of that, right? Yeah, that's it. It's It's a long way to go for very little payoff. But we need to get all these characters to the subway now, I guess. So we cut back to the diner. Carlos is trying to, like, find the kid because he's going to kidnap him to take to... Not kidnap him because the kid wants to go. But he's going to take the kid and bring him to back in the city but before he can do that amanda catches her husband jerry out back just huffing exhaust out of the back of a
1: truck yeah and that's not a normal thing
0: that's not a normal thing it's interesting because what we see is she sees this it clearly upsets her it doesn't feel like anyone's explained to her the aliens or what they do so i'm not sure how she pieces this together but essentially she starts vomiting immediately because she i guess she feels so much disgust because she slept with an alien I, I did quite buy that she would be able to piece all these pieces together but whatever we just need to get this plot moving i guess is that well that's the, what
1: it is it's it's you just sort of go don't worry about it she knows now that uh, there's been a conversation you haven't seen where someone has told her all about the aliens so now it's all coming to, to fruition it's all
0: it's all clicking together The kid has gone through Jerry's desk and kind of found a pamphlet for the Metro Links that kind of has, like, a date and time on it. So now, I guess, the kid and Carlos will know where to go. Like, there's a lot of just, like, real quick things to, like, explain how anyone would know anything about the plot. Carlos comes to get the kid. Jerry shows up with a gun. He's like, well, I'm going to kill you both because you both know my secret, I guess. Amanda, like, it's so funny. Carlos finds the kid. Jerry walks up behind them with a gun. Amanda walks up behind him with a shotgun. Yeah, like it's awkwardly staged, so quickly put together, and essentially Amanda blasts Jerry in the back with a shotgun because now she knows he's an alien. Yeah, I
1: guess? I, and um, let's just say she just shot and killed her husband because she thought he might he might be an alien. Maybe. Like they, they don't have a conversation about it; she just kills him.
0: Oh, you know what? Sorry, everyone at home. I'm gonna jump back for two seconds. When the kid finds the, like, pamphlet with all the information about, you know, the subway or whatever, we get a quick shot of Jerry spying on the kid doing this. I'm not sure if you noticed because the quality was so bad, but they push it on Jerry's face very quickly, and his eyes become lizard eyes. Oh, I didn't catch that. It's very subtle, and I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to what we've seen before, but, like, his eyes very quickly, like, slit into lizard eyes when he realizes he's been found out.
1: Well... That's that's what happens.
0: That's what happens to the aliens. So you think this is like delving into the idea that like lizard people run the world? Is that the conspiracy they're digging into? I think they just thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if he had funny eyes? That's it. Anyway, we'll get back to where we were. Amanda's just shot Jerry, her husband, her who she now knows is an alien. She tells Carlos to get the kid to LA to Bacula. It's the only one who can help them now. And we get what is got to be the darkest scene of the entire show. Which is that? Essentially... Carlos takes the kid. Oh yeah! And they get in a truck, and as they walk away, we hear the mom sh- fire the gun again, and we get a big flash of light, which we know means Jerry has died, because when the aliens die, they disappear in a flash of light and leave flies behind. The kid turns around, and what we hear is a second gunshot of his mother killing herself because she's pregnant with an alien baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is fucked up.
1: It's a weird thing because it. It's not that, like, you can't have an emotional moment like this in the show, but it's not really earned at all. And it just felt like they wrote her as a character and then knew, well, if this becomes a series, what are we going to do with this pregnant lady? So let's just get rid of her. That's what it felt like to me.
0: Yeah, it was really weird. I mean, it happens off screen. So maybe they thought if they went to series, they would bring her back. Maybe it was supposed to be a mislead. But in the way it plays now where the show just ends, it just does feel like a pregnant woman has killed herself. And it's like, I was just like, ah, oh, this feels bad. And they, not only does she do that, she's done it essentially in front of her son. Yeah, It just felt really bad and like off kilter for a show that's already not very good. But like, yeah. this was probably my least favorite moment of the entire show.
1: Yeah. Anyways, but the most important thing is she's now not a character anymore. Oh, we finally got rid of that character we didn't want. I know. That's the thing. That's what it felt like. It felt like the writers created a character didn't know what to do with her, didn't like her, and then just killed her. The Gary A. Larson School of Writing. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Alright. But yes, what has happened now is the kid and Carlos know to go to the subway. Bacchula and Doc Allen know to go to the subway. It's getting all our characters to head to the same place so we can like move on with this episode. And what we get is we arrive at the subway, the senator is giving his speech, and it's it's mostly about smog and, like, how smog is killing LA.
1: I know what you're going to say.
0: Well, you know, this is a personal note because we're from Canada. It was just a really weird thing. But essentially the, the senator, his campaign promises, like, I'm going to get California, that good Canada air. I know. I was like,
1: did Canada have the gold standard of air, I guess, in 1995? I guess so. Everyone just looks at our air and is super jealous. Yeah, I laughed too, and I was like, what a weird line. But yeah, it's Canada's the gold standard, and that that's his thats his big uh, platform.
0: Yeah, and essentially what we get here is because of A, we get to see what the aliens are doing, and B, we get to see baculous flashes of their collective consciousness, we come to understand what the whole plan is. The senator is going to ride the subway at some point. The aliens have infiltrated the Metrolink subway system and turned off ventilation in the subways. And apparently, which is something I didn't know, but this series tells me is true, under Los Angeles there's a lot of methane gas. So if they don't ventilate the subways, it's going to fill up with methane gas. So I guess the essential idea is, the senator's is going to get on a subway, he's going to ride the subway, they're going to crash the subway, which is going to cause an explosion of methane gas, which is not just going to kill the senator, but also, I guess, destroy the subway line. Also furthering their non-environmental agenda. Uh, that seems to be what is That's the That's exactly stakes what of the show. It, it's very confusing and takes a while to come out because there's so much back and forth about it. But the one thing I did like is because Bagula knows what's happening, he basically calls the Metrolink Central Command yeah. and talks to, like, the guy who runs it. And do you know who the actor was who was playing, who was playing basically the head of the control, the control I room? I don't know
1: his name, but I know he was a character in Seinfeld.
0: He's Joe—let uh, me see if I can pronounce this right—Joe Polito. And I know him because he's a regular in the Cone Brothers movies and oh, always okay. a standout player in those movies. So he's a really good actor. And he actually does a great job with what is a very thankless role in this is he's a man on a phone talking to nobody the entire time, but he's always under stress.
1: The movie now becomes uh, uh, the taking of Pelham one, two, three. That's what this becomes. It becomes, there's something happening in a subway and they have to keep cu- cutting to the controller who is just dealing with stuff on the phone. So that's, yeah, he's giving
0: instructions to back him on what to do. He's calling his crew to find out what's up with this methane leak. He, he's doing all this work. And uh, I will say, like, this was my favorite part of this entire two episodes was, like, watching this guy, like, kind of do this this control room, like, nasty kind of, like, he's calling. He's always sweating. He's trying to get this stuff figured out. Well, he and he's in the dark, but he's a good man and trying to do a good job. Yeah. He was my favorite character, and I looked him up on, on IMDb because I needed to find his name. Uncredited.
1: But don't you think this right here could have been all that this movie needed to be? Was Guy guy gets out of prison, he thinks he was controlled by aliens, he's trying to prove it, and he finds out there's an assassination plot, and he's got to stop this train from crashing. That's all this movie needed to be. All the first hour and a half of this could have just been cut away.
0: Yeah, it could have just been
1: a in candidate, basically. Yeah. Like,
0: it, it's all it needed to be, and it, it is the best parts of it. This still doesn't act great, but it is the best part of the Oh, it's by, the bar, by far the best parts. Bakula and Doc Ellen are watching the senator's speech while they're trying to like figure out what to do, and they and they see Detective Coyle in the crowd. And since they think he's on their side, they go to try to talk to him. But of course, we know he's been mind controlled. So he pulls a gun, which once again causes Bacula to start running away. Like hmm. once more, they split up. So Bacula can can run and hide. And essentially, he puts on another like pair of clothing. Like he puts on. Wow. A jumpsuit for
1: a A station worker? Yeah, well, I like that. We should have kept a track of, one, how many times he gets arrested, how many times he escapes, and how many times he puts on a uniform to get through a scenario. It's just like, guys, this is bad.
0: Yeah, and basically what happens is it interrupts the speech, but no one thinks it's a bad idea for the senator to continue to ride the subway, even though, like, a convicted murderer is on the loose or something. Yeah. But he gets on the subway with Detective Coyle. Bacula somehow also sneaks under the same subway car because he's wearing a uniform, a, a maintenance worker's uniform.
1: Well, you know what I like though? He sneaks on because he has the maintenance uniform. But then immediately after, the guy who lets him by calls and is like, "I think that guy's on the train." I'm like, "Why didn't you stop him?" Like, t- like two seconds ago.
0: That is true. That guy like waves him through, and then, as if second guessing himself, as soon as the train leaves, like, mm, maybe that was a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> this basically gets us into like the final moments like this builds to our climax here because uh detective coil is obviously mind controlled he immediately like kills the subway driver he just shoots the guy as he's driving
1: i didn't understand why would you send the alien controlled cop onto the train and have the train explode why not just have the cop get on the train and then just shoot him and then explode it
0: it's confusing i think they needed an alien controlled person on because they needed to kill the driver because the intent was to drive the subway car because they're going to a new subway stop. That subway stop ends in a brick wall, I guess. And they're going to crash the subway car into the brick wall. When it crashes, it's going to set off sparks, which set off the methane, which is going to blow up the new subway stop. It's a very complicated plan to, I guess, kill the senator, make it look like an accident-ish, and destroy the subway line. Mm-hmm. Like, that seems to be the plan. And it's a very complicated one to pull off. Because, yeah, they need to plant Detective Coil with the senator. Detective Coil kills this driver, so now the subway's out of control and bakula you know thank god he's there our hero's on the subway so he's able
1: to like use a rubber ball to distract detective coil this scene it set it up like something great was going to happen basically what you have is detective uh coil has now taken these people under hostage right and so it's it's the politician and a couple of his handlers are there and bakula's on